Hey, Courtney. Hey, Sasha. What is a ghost's favorite toast topping? Uh, Boutella? That's a good option, but this ghost I'm thinking of loves garlic booter. Ooh, not fluffer neuter. It's or peanut booter. <laughs> or booberry jam. name stuff you can put I'm on I'm very hungry, yeah. I am not. I got Noodles and Company. I saw Sasha in real life today, and her house is by Noodles and Company, so I was like, I mean, I'm here. So. I went to a Swiss Bakery this morning, because they were having Oh, yeah, Swiss Miss. And we got Alpenmack, and Ooh. Brats, and Raclette, Ooh, and I it was raclette. so good. And we also brought home apple strudel with vanilla chai icing and mm. Bavarian pretzels. And I'm still hungry somehow. This is how you and I are different people. I got mac and cheese from Noodles and Company and chocolate Christmas tree cakes from Little Debbie. So (laughs) (laughs) we're both having a banner food day, but in very different. Yours is like super classy and like, ooh, I'm at a ski chalet and feasting. And I'm like, I'm a raccoon and I'm digging in the garbage. (laughs) They like blocked off a big chunk of the parking lot in front of their their, uh, bakery. And like there was, you know, the... Uh, like oompa oompa music Aww. and there was the person you know the swi- the 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 big horn oh, yeah, the big horn the ricola, yeah. that guy yeah and then they had like german christmas market tents and stuff like that it was really Aww. cool um it was very windy and cold so appropriate it was for so appropriate for swissmas yeah and there was a santa and there was a small horse <gasps> dressed up in a s- sweater and leg warmers <gasps> and there was a- and its friend was a big saint bernard so the two of them just like traveled together and it was like, you know, I watch Parks and Rec and I wonder how can anyone be so excited about little Sebastian? He's a small horse, right? And but then I understand. saw a small horse and was like, I understand. What what does he do? He's a, he's a little he's a small horse, horse and he's and very he's good at it. He's the best at it. Yeah. <laughs> this is Spoop Hour, a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two Christmas weenies. This is <laughs> Sasha. This is Courtney. And find us on the internet yeah. at Spoop Hour on social media like Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. And you can email us at spoophour at gmail.com. We do have a listener story today, so we'll share anything? that in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Did anything spooky happen to you this week? So, Possibly involving a toast topping? <laughs> a garlic booter. Booter. <laughs> yeah, so I guess two, two things. One... I was on someone else's podcast, <gasps> so that's spooky. The spookiest thing um, of all. People who let us talk. Talk. Not in this other 
channel. <laughs> not on this channel. Yeah, like other people. Friend, friend of the podcast and guest ghost, ghost, guest host ghost, Maxwell from the Relic podcast and also now of RPG Treasure Chest um, invited me on to talk about my favorite JRPG of all time, Persona 5. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to talk about that and literature and I don't know why he let me talk so, uh, he let me talk so much and I'm just like, uh, like why does anyone ever let me talk? That's because incredible. Because you're delight. Because you're yeah. hot and nice. Oh, hot and nice. <laughs> but yeah, so that was spooky. Also, okay, for a few weeks in November and into early December, I had to stay after school for some like remediation stuff. And it was very stressful. It was just mm-hmm. like one more thing that I had to do. Sure. But then like that was all finally coming to an end. And I was like, okay, I don't have to stay after for like things, you know, until late anymore. That's great. Except there was one Tuesday meeting that I had. Boo. That was separate outside of this other thing. And so I ended up staying at the school until after five. And I was like, me, 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 me. I'm so sad. And also I cried during that meeting. So it was like, not great. But anyway, Julia was also staying after that day with her yearbook students. And for their late night, she orders pizza and they had pizza. But when you order pizza from the pizza place that comes with garlic butter, if you order like a bulk order for school, they typically don't give the garlic butter. It's just a pizza. They don't add the peppers or anything else like that. It's just here's some pizzas. And I was I I opened the box and I took two slices of pizza and I horked them down. I was like, man, I wish I had garlic butter. And she's like, yeah, it doesn't come with garlic butter. I was like, man, that's too bad. I opened up every other box and finally found one garlic butter. (gasps) I wanted the garlic butter so much. I manifested it. You wished it into existence. I wished it into existence. So that's the secret. It's wishing for garlic butter and summoning it from the nether realms. I was able to summon garlic butter from a place that doesn't give garlic butter to school. So you know why? Because you're from Atlantis and you're also a witch. Yeah. And I had like such a bad day that the universe and all of the magic was like, you You should have garlic butter. butter. And then I ate more pizza and I felt better. Yeah. That's how that goes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think that those are the only spooky, spooky things. It's, it gets dark very early it now. Does. Yesterday, the weather was, like, really bleak, and so mm-hmm. Julia and I took an art class, and we walked out of the studio at 2, and it was, like, 5 p.m. dark, and I was like, but it's 2. And we live in D.C., so it's not like... It, it's not like we live in Alaska where 2 p.m. is dark, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was just very unsettling. unsettling yeah. And also, the, the art class is in a former prison, so, mm. um, you know... I know exactly where you took that yeah, art yeah. class now. So, so it's, yeah, it's already, that, that that area is just already kind of spooky because it it's was a, a prison. Very, it's a liminal space. And then also near there is the dump and like the water treatment plant. Mm-hmm. And so the whole thing is just kind of like, you don't go here, you know, like, <laughs> like this is not a place to go. But now that it's an art center, it's like, oh, no, they like they're developing the area yeah. and stuff like that. But it, and it is it just, by Alcoquan, which is super cute. And, and also historic and ghosts. They have ghost tours there. So like, I did not know they had ghost yeah, tours there. They have, ghost they have ghosts there. When I was the age that I watched Murder in Small Town X, my parents were really into going to Occoquan on the weekends and stuff, and we would, like, get lunch and just hang out by the water. But because I read some of, like, the ghost tour pamphlets and then also watched Murder in Small Town X, I would just, like, be deeply unsettled whenever we went to Occoquan because my imagination, like, got the best of me. I was like, Mom, Dad, we can't go to Occoquan anymore because I will get murdered. It does look (laughs) like Small Town X. Yeah, and it's so funny because it's, like, 
in a city. Like, oh, yeah. it's, it's just like, like the next to the water. Little, like, yeah. It has a very like downtown it's, small it's like town three feel, blocks. but it's, it's, yeah. I got a pterodactyl cookie cutter there after yeah. community aired Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas, the claymation mm-hmm. episode, because mm-hmm. there's a remote control Christmas pterodactyl in that. And I was like, I need to get a pterodactyl cookie cutter so that I can have a remote control Christmas pterodactyl with my Christmas cookies. And now I have a pterodactyl cookie cutter because of Aquaquad, where young Sasha was not murdered. <laughs> and, and and like also like the, the spooky vibe that like if you go to Clifton in the fall, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also scary, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Clifton <laughs> feels remote, even though it isn't. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad that we have those weird spooky remote places in this area that is are not remote because you drive five more minutes in one direction and you hit like major congestion and shopping areas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that was that that was, I guess, like one little like tingly like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I love it. How about you? Anything spooky? So the first spooky thing that happened to me. I believe I mentioned in an earlier episode this month that November I tend to deal with a lot of just general mm-hmm. existential dread because my past four or so Novembers, something bad has always happened to me. Mm-hmm. It started in 2017 when someone hit my car in a grocery store parking lot and didn't leave a note, which was a pretty minor bad thing. The following year, my cat, they thought she may have had cancer, so she had to undergo surgery as a senior kitty. She's fine. Obviously, this was, you know, three years ago. Then the year after that was when my car got totaled when I was Mm -hmm. in it. And then the year after that was when I got shingles on my face. So that brings us up to last year. And so all November, I was like waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm like, something's coming. It's gonna, I'm not, it's not gonna catch me off guard. I'm fucking on to you, universe. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Make it through to November 30th. And I was Mm. like, wow, I actually made it through November. And it was about mm, 7.30 on November 30th, so within five hours of November being over, I walk out to my car to go pick up groceries and discover that someone has smashed into it and not left a note. So it's in the shop because parts are on back order. I'm not getting it back until mid-January at the earliest, and it's a $5,000 repair. We're recording this on December 12th. Yeah, so, so for context, my, I'm gonna be. I'm not going to have my car back for another month. In total, it'll be in the shop for a month and a half. So I wish the person who hit me and didn't leave a note a very enjoy being visited by spooky ghosts for this holiday until mm-hmm. you learn the error of your ways. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, it's obviously it's not that bad because I wasn't in the car. It's just inconvenient and annoying. And I'm like, this is a stressful thing that I didn't need to deal with. right? Now. Yeah. So that happened. So goddamn November strikes again. And another spooky thing that happened, my partner and I are looking for a place to live. And one of the places we toured... And if it hadn't been a six-floor walk-up, we would be moving there. It had these, like, gothic turrets. <gasps> so it's one of those buildings where, like, it has the, like, round protrusions mm-hmm. on the sides. And that's where the bedrooms were. And I was like, oh, my God, recording Spoop Hour in a fucking gothic turret would be so baller. But it was a six-floor walk-up. And I was like, I don't want that. And then finally, the spookiest thing of all, Julia. Hi, Julia. This is our Hi, most Julia. Julia episode ever. Yeah texts me out of the blue and julie and i don't text very often i'm I'm glad that you're mentioning this because i was about to like interject like oh wait i have one more thing so i'm glad you got this so julie and i don't text very often so our text thread like the last thing we talked about before this was hashtag defund your mom and (laughs) the time before like we don't we don't text a ton so was that when that person sent us hate mail yes yes and Mm -hmm. then we came up with hashtag defund your mom bro yeah defended your mom last night bro so (laughs) (laughs) I get a text out of the blue from Julia. Did you guys talk about a story with two penises and two vaginas on your podcast last episode? Or am I hallucinating in a very concerning way? 
And I just text back an ellipsis because I'm like. So, no mind you, at this point, I am with Julia and one of her. our friends who is visiting from California. And we're at the Christmas market in D.C. waiting for churros. And the churros at this place are very long, yes, very delicious, crunchy on the outside, soft on the inside, and full of, you can get milky caramel, you can mm-hmm. get... Cr- Bavarian cream or chocolate. They are long and have stuff coming out the tip, especially the Bavarian cream one. Oh, yeah. They look like penises. They sure do. And I ordered two. So I am double fisting... Two long churros, one with, <laughs> with caramel cream. and one with Bavarian cream. And that is when Julia asks me about the two penises. And I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And she's explaining it to me. And I'm like, maybe I went to a fugue state. I was like, I don't know. So ask Courtney. So that's why you got that text. Yeah. So I get this text. And I'm like, our last episode was about past lives and stuff. And I'm right. like... I would have made a big deal if a psychic told me something about two penises and two vaginas. Yeah, because she congratulated us on being two witches in love. Yes, as she and, should. That's an appropriate greeting for us and now. the <laughs> listener mail was about divination. About of cards. And, and I was yeah. like, maybe there was a card mentioned. I was like, but and I was like, I don't remember anything that we specifically talked about that mentioned it, but maybe it was in the listener story. Maybe there was a card that I don't remember that has two penises and two vaginas on it. And then she goes, where did I hear this? And I was like, how many other podcasts do you listen to that are hosted by two Halloweenies? Because that's what it sounds like. And then she found it. Mm -hmm. So four hours later, I'm in bed and I get a text from Julia (laughs) while I'm in bed that says, found it. So it was a TikTok about Mm -hmm. someone who was doing folklore. We'll tweet it. Yeah, user Cosbrarian. It's about why we get stuffy noses. I want to say it was a was it a Korean folktale? Yeah, it's a Korean folktale. It's from this user's series called Effed Up Fairy Tales. Yeah. And, and it's it about is... why you get the common cold or like stuffy nose. We'll post that on Twitter so you can see it. But that that was the final spooky thing that happened to me is just out of the blue, Julia texts yeah. me two penises and two vaginas. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I, you know, I edit the episode. I spend a long time listening to us. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember talking about this. I might have entered like a fugue state when we were recording, so I don't really remember, but that doesn't sound familiar to me at all. I would know if there was a story about two penises and two vaginas. It was a very fascinating story. We'll post the link on Twitter and Instagram, but basically a ghost prince is looking for somewhere to put his two dicks and where do we have two holes that are next to each other? Easy to stuff up when you're sick. So, like two cream filled churros. Yeah, so Julia, thank you for that. I feel like I learned so much. And also now I'm like following that user on TikTok. Yeah, it, yeah. They, they do have like big us energy. Yeah. So I can see why Julia got it confused. Because like and, watching it, I was like, yeah, this is how we tell stories. And we would yeah. talk about this in this way. And, so and I get it. Julia loves TikTok. So, I mean, who doesn't? Right. <laughs> so. Speaking of things we love, we have a listener story. We do have a listener story. We we love love. our listeners. We do. We do love our listeners. Yes. So this story is from listener Araceli. Hi, Araceli. And Araceli emails us in reference to, at the time, it was our most recent episode. The folk magic episode, where we also talk about Taylor Swift. (laughs) Yes. Folklore. So... 
Yeah, so Araceli writes, I have a long story that your most recent episode reminded me of. Over the last couple of years, I've been trying to learn more about my dad's side of the family, which is mostly indigenous, and I've been trying to learn more about their customs and ceremonies. That's really cool. Yeah. Some backstory. Me and my wife used to work for the same company until 2020 happened, and my son had to be home. 2020. Mm. She covered all of the assisted living facilities we went to and had developed a pretty good relationship with the local one in town to the point that after finishing for the day, she would read tarot for the employees. Nice. Want to be freaked out? Let her read tarot for you and see how accurate she is. That's spooky <laughs> on its own. <laughs> Oh, man. I love it. I love it. One day she was doing this and they started telling her that they had a room they believed was haunted by a former resident who passed away there. <laughs> Near the end of her life, she started to get violent to the point that they had to move her husband to another room for his safety. <laughs> After she passed, they got the room cleaned and ready for more residents. This building has a long waiting list, so they got everything ready to go as fast as they could. One thing they noticed when getting the room ready was that they kept finding spiders. And, and the it. light in the center of the room kept burning out. No, I don't and, like this. And I saw one of these spiders. They were big and creepy looking. Ooh. Oh, real right. quick, this yeah. reminded me. One of the other places we looked at to live, in mm-hmm. the basement there was a closet. And the closet had a side that didn't have a wall. So it was just a dark crawl space. And you could see the dark crawl space was a hallway. And I pointed at it and I was like, someone is living in there. We cannot live here. Oh, God. You'd, like, need to, like, fill it yeah, with stuff. Yeah, I'd be like, I would never be able to sleep. And yeah. besides the fact that, you know, one of the cats can kind of open doors if he hurls himself bodily at it, so he'll get into the crawl space, find then, the person living there, and then come back covered in spiders. No. Or no. the door will be cre- cracked open, and you'll be no. like, oh, my God, they got out. Oh, my yeah. God, the person's out. Now they're yeah. in another part of the house. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. <laughs> so back to Araceli's story. Yes, my wife reads sorry. omens. <laughs> And a spider is usually an omen of illness, especially since it was warm weather at the time they hadn't started moving indoors yet. So if you think about, like, when you see spiders mm-hmm. in your house. Mm. A new patient came in, and within the week, the patient de- uh, declined in health and passed away. Uh-oh. They cleaned the room again, moved a new resident in, and same thing. Within a week, they pass, and at least three within a month moved into this room. One resident either needed CPR or was choking, I don't really remember which, and the nurses rushed in and started helping her. The nurse said while she was trying to save the resident, she heard a woman behind her say, don't bother, she's already dead. What the fuck? She turned around to scold the nurse, but she, the other nurse, but she was on the other side of the room and had not said a word. They were freaked out and never felt comfortable in that room and couldn't keep a resident alive in that room for more than a week. Oh my god. After telling my wife everything that had happened, she asked me if I had time to come by with my cleansing materials and try to cleanse the room. I have never done something like this in such a public manner, but I thought, can't hurt to try. When I arrived, they took me to the room and said we were going to close the door to not bother the other residents and left me in there. Let me tell you, it did not feel good in that room. Silly, I love you. (laughs) I mean, punctuation. (laughs) Of course, it didn't feel good in that room. Like eight people died. Yeah, so many people died. Yeah, but like recently and recently, right? It's not like seventy years ago, one person died, and then ten years after that, another person died. A bunch of people died recently. Yeah, fuck that. I was so uncomfortable, and the worst was the bathroom. I got. Instant chills and goosebumps. I was convinced I'd see something in the mirror in that bathroom. Like, no. I got to work, opened the window, and set up my tools. 
It's a whole process that I'm not going to go into much detail about, but basically you cleanse yourself and your tools first, cleanse the room while saying your prayers, and then make your offerings. While cleansing, a very large spider caught my attention on the ceiling, and eventually it retreated into the smoke detector and disappeared. This is my least favorite story ever. (laughs) After the spider left, there was a butterfly right outside the window that I opened. I took this as a good sign, and with the spider leaving and the butterfly arriving, so I packed up and went out to let them know I was finished. Ever since then, they haven't had a problem with that room. This is my long story. Thank you for listening. That was incredible. That was incredible, Araceli. I hated it, but also I loved it. But effective. Yeah. Also, that just reminds me two things. One is I found a Reddit recently that was just called like mirrors for sale. And it's people who are trying to sell things that accidentally catch their reflections in the mirror. And that's kind of an unsettling subreddit because you're seeing something in the mirror that I feel like you shouldn't be seeing. (laughs) The other part was I just remembered a few weeks ago I was feeding the cat and she likes me to stand next to her while she eats. Mm Mm-hmm. And I saw movement, and I looked, and a spider rappelled down from the ceiling no. and was floating right in front of me, and I was like, oh, no. That's the worst. And then that was breakfast. That evening for dinner, I went back to stand with the cat, and the spider was on the ceiling again. And I was like, okay, you stay there. Spider landed on my head. No! <laughs> you had an agreement. I had an agreement. I was like, Spider, no! And I like, brushed <laughs> it out of my hair and then watched it scatter, and I was like, okay. The worst, and this has happened to me on more than one occasion, the worst is when you're in the bathroom, you're looking in the mirror because you're brushing your teeth or mm-hmm. whatever, and you see a spider in the mirror, and it's, like, mm-hmm. next to your head, because then it's like, I can't swivel my head too fast because that's just going to blow it into my face. <laughs> And so I can't look at it, and you're trying to, like, figure out, okay, mirror reflection, which side is it on trying to get it? Oh, that sucks. Oh, That was ugh. a really good story, though. That was a Arcelli, great story. thank you for sharing. Has something spooky happened to you or a nursing home you know about? Email spookpower at gmail.com and tell us. See if you can ruin our lives a little bit. I feel like nursing homes are ripe. Yeah, things. I do. I used to work for an organization that worked with nurses. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of very superstitious nurses mm-hmm. because so many of them are around people who are very, very ill, people who are passing away, things mm-hmm. like that. And there are a lot of them who are like, don't ask me about all of my graveyard shifts when I was the only person on the floor and the other person wasn't conscious and the things that I heard. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, that's okay. Any place that you are in during the quote graveyard shift mm-hmm. is just not great even at school being at school at 6 p.m. the end of the building that i'm on mm-hmm. has no people by 6 p.m. Mm. athletics department music performing arts department you'll have some people depending on like what the day is if there's a rehearsal or a concert or a sports game or mm-hmm. you know practice but like if it's 6 p.m. and you're still in the core class wing it's like like, something's gone wrong something's gone wrong and anything any noise like the radiator clicking off at 4 p.m is like scary and just there have been times when i used to work physically in an office instead of working from home Mm -hmm. as i currently do where you know i have to stay at work late for whatever reason and it's always a dark time when like the auto dimmer turns on Mm -hmm. and the ac turns off because it makes a very clear click and suddenly it's so still and the white noise before it is such that like you didn't even realize a noise was being made until it's gone and then you feel how gone it is yeah i've I've told my students to like come see me at 4 30 in the afternoon and see how quiet it is in my room 
And yeah. they're like, but it's quiet right now. I was like, it's not the it's same not. kind of quiet. It's like a living quiet versus <laughs> yeah. like that still death yep. quiet. As soon so, as that happens, I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I need to go it's home. Like, oh, gotta go. <laughs> gotta go. <laughs> that's, that's my call. So what are we talking about this week? Crimbus. Crimbus. Holidays. Holidays. Spookiness. So, here's the deal kiddos we had a different topic picked out but Mm -hmm. then our stupid weather here first went up 20 degrees and then dropped 20 degrees so my head's been exploding now for about 48 hours and my sinuses have been exploding for like a week yeah it's that ghost penis right so (laughs) gross but what can you do two cream-filled churros just shoving themselves up up your nose nose. yep so we were like, what if we do a mini-sode? But I'm looking at the time now. This may be a maxi-sode mini-sode, which we've done before, where it just, you know, if it takes the hour, it takes the hour. But it in spirit, hours. it's a mini-sode. Yeah. <laughs> so we have, I have a spooky Christmas ghost story called mm-hmm. Dark Christmas by Jeanette Winterson. Mm. Particularly spooky because I just noticed Winterson. Winter is in her last I, name. I love when people's last names line up with things. You yeah. know the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies uh-huh. are directed by someone whose last name is Webb? <gasps> That's true. Mark Webb, because he also did 500 Days of Summer. Yeah. Yeah. It just... It just lines... <laughs> 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 the universe <laughs> lining up. <laughs> we just had a story about spiders, and now we're talking about Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Mm. <laughs> spider sound, spider sound, spider sound. I wish you guys could see us, both of us, doing, both the doing the spider Spider-Man. <laughs> I'd be so good at be so being good. Spider-Man. Uh, we would be incredible at it. <laughs> I like, would just use my powers, not even to be, like help people, but just to like get stuff from across the room. Yeah, I'd, I'd spend a lot more time on the couch. I think I would go rock climbing. Yeah, I'd be less afraid of heights. Yeah. What would you do if you were Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Yeah, you got a Christmas story. I have and a I've Christmas got, story, and then Sasha has Christmas review. I just have Christmas review, because, you know. y- folks, it has been four Decembers of Spoop Hour. We're very old. We're very old. We've been at this for a while. Yeah. We've been at this longer than... Lots of podcasts. It's true. Live. We're like yeah. the great great grandmother of podcasts yeah. now. <laughs> and so while our posting schedule has changed, our attitudes and feelings about spooky stuff has not changed. And Christmas, everyone's like, oh, it's not spooky like Halloween. And da, 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 da. it's like, no, 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 no. It is spooky. It is spooky as shit. It's spookier because it gets dark. It gets at, dark and, at you know, in the afternoon. and it's cold. And, you know, mm-hmm. is that a chill because it's cold or is it chill because something just like brushed up against me, you know? Yeah. Everyone needs to know, most of the rest of the world, you know, during the wintertime, they're like, wow, it's really dark, and night starts early and lasts a long time. I wonder what's in the darkness. And the rest of the world has concluded, it's monsters. Yeah. I, like, I have friends who were able, like, their city did things like, you know, Krampus Walk, and, Mm -hmm. like, one of my friends who lives out of town, she had a Christmas party yesterday that was themed around like the spooky Christmas stuff. And I was nice. like, this is perfect. Like yep. she encouraged people to, you know, dress up like mm-hmm. like Krampus and, you know, any of the elves and gnomes and Mari Lewid and, you know, yeah. whatever whatever we love. So I thought we should review because some of yeah. you guys might not have heard our other, you know, three years of Christmas episodes. It's true. So we'll so, go over it and then you can go back and listen to the full experience. Full of things, yeah. So a couple of interesting characters. One, Yoka Turin, right? Yeah. Yolaka Turin. Yolaka yeah. Or the Yule Cat or the yep. Christmas Cat, right? Is the 
most terrifying cat of all, <laughs> basically. <laughs> you know, you might think, oh, Christmas cat's like a little kitten oh, wearing so a Santa cute. hat, right? No. Got a poinsettia uh, on the collar. <laughs> is actually from Icelandic folklore, first appeared in the 19th century and is a huge, ferocious beast with razor-like whiskers, blazing eyes, and terrible claws who consumed any child who did not receive new clothes on Christmas Day. So, new ki- kids need new clothes. Yeah. In 1932, the Icelandic po- poet uh, Johannes Jurkotlum wrote a book of Christmas poems for children that's kind of like, you know, A Visit from St. Nick or Dickens' A Christmas Carol that enshrined these Christmas characters and traditions for future generations and so his story of the yule cat is basically like the official version of that then related to the yule cat is the yule lads (laughs) and if you think you know, we'll, we'll talk about a bunch of these like kind of horrific Christmas creatures. A lot of them are, like Courtney was alluding to, with like darkness and cold and everything. Stories about surviving, you know, the horrors of winter, right? And mm-hmm. if you think about like Iceland and Norway and up northern Europe, right, the winter is hard. Yeah. And so there are 13 Yolas Veinar. Right? Does that sound right? Yes. Yes. Or Yule lads. Yeah, I always <laughs> um, call them Yule lads. Myself. Yeah, Yule lads <laughs> who visit houses one Yule d- lad a day between the twelfth and twenty fourth of December. They're basically depicted as tricksters and have like their own unique form of mischief. Like there's one called Spoon Licker. Yeah, I was just about to mention Spoon Licker is my and, favorite. <laughs> yeah, he, he steals wooden spoons and licks off the food residue. Door slammer slams the Host doors. Among us doesn't love licking a good spoon during the Yuletide. And who doesn't like to slam doors so all just, night so no one can rest? <laughs> my, my neighbors love doing that, but... There's also the sausage swiper. Yes. Yes. You can guess what he's up to. But historically, though, like these are kind of like more fun, mischievous ones, but sure. they were, they used to be a lot more vicious. And there used to be like, you know, competitions amongst family members to tell stories of the Yule Lad's behavior and basically had to like try to outdo the last person who told a story with something even more gruesome and brutal and more violent. But basically, the tales got so out of hand that in 1746, there was a decree that banned the foolish custom of scaring children with the Yuletide lads and ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) So they were like, they can be tricksters, but try not to be scary. Yeah. They scaryforkids.com bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, scaryforkids.com, a little too scary for Sasha today. (laughs) Gryla! Gryla, the mom of the Yule Lads and the owner of the Yule Cat. Yes, so Gryla, this is all, all ties into her. She it actually predates the Yule Lads in Icelandic legends, and she was kind of like an ogre who kidnaps and cooks and kills, or uh, eats children who don't obey their parents, right? And then became more associated with Christmas and then, like, got assigned to be the mother of the Yule Lads. How fun. Yay! According to legend, Gryla had three different husbands and 72 children, all who caused, caused trouble ranging from harmless mischief to murder. Yeah, like you said, Yule Cat also lives with Gryla. And Yule yep. Cat, remember, not tiny kitty, big kitty. <laughs> big eats... 
children and big teeth. And Speaking of Yule cats, you may be hearing Benedict in the background because yeah, he I is just in fact him walk in. within an hour and ten minutes of his dinner, which means he's starving to death and he wants the world to know. Gryla is such a troublemaker that she was actually blamed for by the Onion <laughs> for the 2010 elu- uh, eruption of the volcano in Iceland. That would make a lot of sense, that? actually. Yeah, yeah, I do, because that they had to, like, ground planes. Yep. And, like, Miley Cyrus got stuck somewhere. I think David Attenborough had to take, like, a 4,000-pound, like, Uber. <laughs> Something crazy Jesus. like that. So, thanks, Gryla. There's also the Kali Kansaroy from Greece. Yes. And this was a group of demons that were basically said to spend the year underground, sawing through the tree of life through the earth. And then, basically... Each December, the tree was kind of down to, like, just, like, a single thread holding the tree together. And then the 12 days of Christmas would compel the Kalikonsaroi to come over ground and wander the earth. But by the time they returned in January, the tree repaired itself, and so they have to start again. Once over ground, they cause mischief and chaos. And they also love to steal children born during the 12 days of Christmas and turn them into fellow Kalikonsaroi. Yay! And you can keep them at bay, though, if you bind your newborn babies in straw and garlic. You can also stop those creatures from getting into your house by placing a colander outside the door. Mm-hmm. They are compelled to count the holes, but because the number three is holy in Greek, they can't count so, to three, so they have to start again, and it occupies them until sunrise, and then your house is safe again. So, Kali Kansaroi. Counting is hard. Counting is so hard. Then there's the Karakonkolos from Bulgaria, Turkey, and Serbia. I don't think we've talked about that. Have them. we not talked about this one? No, Maybe this I is just, a new one. Yeah, okay. The Karakonkolos sounds a lot like the Kalikonsaroy. It does. But they're kind of more like the devil and Sasquatch. And he stands on street corners on winter nights and basically sets riddles for passersby. That's and what I do. Look, we yeah. all picked up weird hobbies during the panini. Like, let's all be cool about and, it. And, you know, if a traveler gives an answer that includes the word black, then they're free to go on their way. But if not, they give them the wrong answer. Karakonkolos will hit you dead with a single blow. Damn. The In some places, the Karakonkolos' favorite trick is to disguise their voice to try to pretend to be someone else's friend or relative and lure them out into the oh. snow. So it would pretend to be you and be like, hey, come here, I've got a riddle for you. And I'd be like, yeah. okay, Sasha, and just like yeah. go into the woods with you. And then you'd be set in a trance, and okay. then the Karakonkolos would be like, here, you can just like roam free. But in Serbia... The Karakonkolos likes to take the person who's stunned and in a trance and use them as a personal taxi service. Just makes them walk around until sunrise with them on their back. <laughs> just free piggyback rides? Yeah. That's why they do this? If you invited a Karakonkolos into your house, they would feel compelled to imitate the host's behavior. So if you set fire to silk or thread, the Karakonkolos would be tricked into setting fire to its own fur and would run from the house outside screaming to find water. Damn. <laughs> Krampus! Krampus! My meetup group is doing a murder mystery next weekend, and it's holiday-themed, and I got the Krampus, and I'm so Yay! excited. It's the role I was born to play. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Krampus! You guys should probably have heard of Krampus by now if you're interested in spooky things and Christmas, but basically we're thinking anthropomorphic, monstrous demonic goat who punishes misbehaving children. He will rip out girls' pigtails and beat children with birch branches and carries a basket on his back to carry off, you know, children. And 
eat them for dinner. So December 5th is Krampus Nacht, where men in homemade Krampus costumes will like go around alpine villages with pitchforks, you know, demanding booze. Causing a ruckus, you know, it's all in good fun. Yeah, <laughs> one of my, like I said, a couple of my friends went on a Krampus walk recently, and it looked there really was fun. Years ago, where my partner lived in DC, mm-hmm. they were doing a Krampus walk, but I didn't realize when it was happening. So I like turned onto the main street before his little side street where his house was, and there were like ten Krampuses, and I was like, "The fuck is going on?" <laughs> yeah, I don't too- know if you've ever been surprised by a large group of. Krampus, Krampi, Krampi, Krampuses, 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 like octopuses, (laughs) or just Krampus. Krampus. It could be like like deer or moose. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been surprised by a large group of whatever the plural of Krampus is, but it is it is jarring when it is dark and suddenly there's a bunch of Krampi. Yeah, two of my friends dressed up as variations of Krampus, and then one of my friends dressed up as a variation of a small child. No, no. So basically, you know, they also have, you know, Krampus runs as well. So people dress up as Krampus and run a marathon or run a 5K or whatever, which actually sounds kind of terrifying. Yeah. But basically, this used to be very, like, centered around just like Europe, Austria, Central Europe, that kind of area. Mm -hmm. But with the invention of Christmas cards in the 19th century, there were more images of Krampus kind of sent around the world. So that's cool. Yeah. And then there are a couple of anti-Santas, like Hans Trapp, who hands out punishment to bad children in France. Père Fouettard, who's also French, and that's uh, Father Whipper. Mm-hmm. He loves to eat children. And also Belschnickel. Yeah, classic. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, lots of crazy, creepy, fun, wonderful... Spooky Christmas things, thanks to to Europe, where it's dark all the time in the winter, mm-hmm. and, they, and they're like, "There's monsters out there." There's monsters out there. You better behave, or I'll feed you to the monsters. Like, I love cozy, wozy, fun Christmas, and like what fun Huga, Huga, Higa, yeah, Higa, like Higa. yeah, you know, Christmas feelings and stuff like that. But every once in a while, I'm like, American Christmas could be spookier. Yeah. And I'm not talking about, like, horror movie spooky, but, like, we we could have more Krampi in our our things. (laughs) More Krampi? It sounds like you're serving (laughs) a dessert. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. If you want to hear more about Christmas monsters, go back to literally basically every other December December. episode. You're probably going to come across one. All right. Are you ready for Dark Christmas by Jeanette Winterson? Yes. Okay. So I found this story, this short story printed in The Guardian, but it is a short story by Jeanette Winterson. I'm going to read it as written because I read it this morning and it is spooky. We had borrowed the house from a friend none of us seemed to know. Right there. Red flag. Yeah. Like, no. No. I mean, I say this is someone who does Airbnbs, like where you stay in in a stranger's house, but like... No, you have to know that they're a stranger. <laughs> right, like, Airbnb, like, theoretically vetted. Yeah, there's a paper trail, so, like, if somebody murders but you... But you're like, it, it I'm borrowing a place from a friend of a friend of a friend. Yeah. Mm. That's, oh, I thought it was your friend. Nope, I'm not going in that house. Mm-mm. So, anyway, so, right off the bat, not off to a good start. No. High Fallen House stood on an eminence overlooking the sea, It was a square Victorian gentleman's residence. The large bay windows looked down through the pines towards the shore. 
Six stone steps led the visitor up to the double front door where a gothic bell pool released a loud, mournful clang deep in the distances of the house. Laurel lined the drive. The stable block was disused. The walled garden had been locked up in 1914 when the gardeners went to war. Only one had returned. I had been warned that the high brick wall enclosing the garden was unsafe. As I passed it slowly in the car, I saw a faded notice falling off the paint-peeled door. Do. Not. Enter. I was the first to arrive. My friends were following by train, and I was to collect them the next day, and then we would settle down for Christmas. I had driven from Bristol, and I was tired. There was a Christmas tree roped on the top of my 4x4 and a trunk load of provisions. We were not near any town. But the housekeeper had left stacked wood to build a fire, and I had brought a shepherd's pie and a bottle of Rioja for my first night. Hmm. The kitchen was cheerful enough once I had got the fire going and the radio playing while I unpacked our festive supplies. I checked my phone. No signal. Still, I knew the time of the train tomorrow, and it was a relief to feel that the world had gone away. I put my food in the oven to heat up, poured a glass of wine, and went upstairs to find myself a bedroom. The first landing had three bedrooms leading off it. Each had a moth-eaten rug, a metal bed, and a mahogany chest of drawers. At the far end of the landing was a second set of stairs, up to the attic floor. Mm. This is both a dramatic pause and a, an acknowledgement of the fact the webpage did not load fully. Oh no! So I was now like, waiting, like, <laughs> hello? Just, just sitting it. Just, we're really, we're really getting into this spooky vibe. Very pregnant Ooh, pause. spooky attic floor. I wonder what's up there. <laughs> I wonder if this website's ever going to load. Maybe? Maybe it won't. It loaded this morning and I haven't closed it, so it should still be fully loaded. Like Herbie. The Herbie. Love bug. <laughs> fully <laughs> Maybe. Oh, good. Now the whole website's frozen. Oh, that no. That seems promising. Eh? <laughs> uh, I was gonna refresh it. Oh, good. Now the whole thing's blank. What happens next, dear listener? <laughs> okay, here we go. Blah, 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 attic floor. Here we go. I am not romantic about maids' rooms or nurseries, and there was something about that second set of stairs that made me hesitate. The landing was bright in the sudden way of late sun on a winter's afternoon, yet the light ended abruptly at the foot of the stairs, as though it couldn't go any farther. I didn't want to be near that set of stairs, so I chose the room at the front of the house. As I went to bring up my bag, the house bell started to ring, its jerky metallic hammers sounding somewhere in the guts of the house. I was surprised, but not alarmed. I expected the housekeeper. I opened the door. There was no one there. I went down the steps and looked around. I admit I was frightened. There was The night was clear and soundless. There was no car in the distance, no footsteps walking away. Determined to conquer my fear, I walked round a little. Then, turning back to the house, I saw it. The bell wire ran along the side of the house under a sheltering gutter. Perhaps thirty or forty bats were dangling upside down on the vibrating wire. The same number swooped and swerved in a dark mass. Obviously, their movements on the wire had set off the bell. I like bats. Clever bats. Good. Now, supper. I ate. I drank. I wondered why love is so hard and life is so short. I went to bed. Right now you're sitting and thinking, Courtney, this story is barely spooky at all. It gets into it. No, I'm Just, like, she's already by herself. Yeah. Like, that's spooky enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> I went to bed. The room was warmer now and I was ready to sleep. The sound of the sea ebbed into the flow of my dreams. I woke from a dead sleep in the dead darkness to hear, what? What can I hear? 
It sounded like a ball bearing or a marble rolling on the bare floor above my head. It rolled hard, on hard, then hit the wall. Then it rolled again in the other direction. This might not have mattered, except that the other direction was upwards. Things can come loose and roll downwards, but they cannot come loose and roll up. Unless someone... The thought was so unwelcome that I dismissed it along with the law of gravity. Whatever was rolling over my head must be a natural dislodging. The house was drafty and unused. The attics were under the eaves where any kind of weather might get in. Weather or an animal. Remember the bats. I pulled the covers up to my eyebrows and pretended not to listen. Side note, if you're under the covers, it can't get you. Exactly. That was a smart move. Gold Mm -hmm. star for this person. There it was again. Hard on hard, on hit, on pause, on roll. I waited for sleep, waiting for daylight. We are lucky, even the worst of us, because daylight comes. It was a brooding day that 21st of December, the shortest day of the year. Coffee, coat on, car keys. Shouldn't I just check the attic? Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm-mm. The second set of stairs was narrow, a servant staircase. It led to a lathe and plaster corridor, barely a shoulder width wide. I started coughing. Breathing was difficult. Damp had dropped the plaster in thick, crumbling heaps on the floorboard. As below, there were three doors. Two were closed. The door to the room above my room was ajar. I made myself go forward. The room was under the eaves as I had guessed. The floor was rough. There was no bed, only a washstand and a clothes rail. What surprised me was the nativity scene in the corner. Standing about two feet tall, it was more like a doll's house than a Christmas decoration— Inside the open-fronted stable stood the animals, the shepherds, the crib, Joseph. Above the roof, on a bit of wire, was a battered star. It was old, handmade in a workmanlike but not craftsmanlike sort of way, the painted wood now rubbed and faded like the pigments of time. I thought I would carry it downstairs and put it by our Christmas tree. Mistake number two. Mm-hmm. It must have been made for the children when there were children here. I stuffed my pockets with the figures and animals and left quickly, leaving the door open. I had to set off for the station. Stephen and Susie could help me with the rest later. As soon as I was out of the house, my lungs felt clear again. It must be the plaster dust. Mm. The drive to the station was along the coast road. Lonely and unyielding, the road turned in a series of blind bends and tight corners. I met no one, and I saw no one. Gulls circled over the sea. The station itself was a simple shelter on a long, single track. There were no information boards. I checked my phone. No signal. Mm. At last, the train appeared distantly down the track. I was excited. Memories of visiting my father as a child when he was stationed at his RAF base gave me a rush of pleasure whenever I travel by train or come to meet one. The train slowed and halted. The guard stood down for a moment. I watched the doors. It wasn't a big train, this branch line train. But none of the doors opened. I waved at the guard who came over. I am meeting my friends. He shook his head. Train's empty. Next stop is the end of the line. I was confused. Had they got off at the earlier stop? I described them. The guard shook his head again. I noticed strangers. They would have boarded at Carlisle, asking me where to get off. Always do. Is there another train before tomorrow? One a day and that's your lot. And more than anybody needs in a place like this. Where are you staying? I fall in house. Do you know it? Oh, I. We all know it. I should have done a voice for him. That would have been helpful. Mm -hmm. Oh, I. We all know it. I'm so sorry. He's apparently a pirate. He looked as if he were about to say something else. Instead, he blew his whistle. The empty train pulled away, leaving me staring down the long track, watching the red light like a warning. Mm. I needed to get a signal on my phone. 
I drove on past the station, following the steep hill, hoping some height would connect me to the rest of the world. At the top of the hill, I stopped the car and got out, pulling up the collar of my coat. The first snow hit my face with insect insistence, sharp and spiteful like little bites. I looked out across the whitening bay. That must be High Fallen House. But what's that? Two figures walking on the beach. Is it Stephen and Susie? Had they driven here after all? Then, as I strained my eyes against the deceit of distance, I realized that the second figure was much smaller than the first. They were walking purposefully towards the house. When I arrived back, it was nearly dark. I put on the lights, blew the fire into a blaze. There was no sign of the mysterious couple I had seen from the hill. Perhaps it had been the housekeeper and her daughter come to make sure that everything was all right. I had a telephone number for Mrs. Wormwood, but without a signal, I could not call her. The snow was thickening in windy swirls. Relax, have a whiskey. I leaned on the warm kitchen range with my whiskey in my hand. The wooden figures I had brought down from the attic were lying on the kitchen table. I should go up and get the stable. I don't want to. I bounded up the first set of stairs using energy to force out unease. At my bedroom, I put on the light. That felt better. The second set of stairs should, stood in shadow at the end of the long landing. I felt that constriction in my lungs again. <clears throat> Why am I holding onto the handrail like an old man? I could see that the only light to the attic was at the top of the stairs. I found the round brown bake light switch. I flicked down the nipple. Hey. <laughs> A single bulb lit up reluctantly. The room was straight ahead. The door was closed. Hadn't I left it open? <clears throat> I turned the handle and stood in the doorway. The room dimly lit from the light on the stairs. Washstand, nativity, clothes rail. On the clothes rail was a child's dress. I hadn't noticed that before. <clears throat> I suppose I had been in a hurry. Pushing aside my misgivings, I went in purposefully and bent down to pick up the wooden nativity. It was heavy, and I had just got it secured in my arms when the light on the landing went out. Hello? Who's there? There's someone breathing like they can barely breathe. Not faint, struggling for breath. I mustn't turn round, because whoever or whatever it is, is behind me. I stood still for a minute, steadying my nerve. Then I shuffled forward towards the edge of the light coming up from downstairs. At the doorway, I heard a step behind me, lost my balance, and put out a hand to steady myself. My hand gripped something wet. The clothes rail. It must be the dress. My heart was overbeating. Don't panic. Bakelite. Bad wiring. Strange house. Darkness. Aloneness. But you're not alone, are you? Back in the kitchen with whiskey, radio four, and pasta boiling, I examined the dress. It was for a small child and it was hand-knitted. The wool was smelly and sopping. I washed it out and left it hanging over the sink to drip. I guess there must be a hole in the roof and the dress had been soaking up the rain for a long time. I ate my supper, tried to read, told myself it had been nothing, nothing at all. It was only 8 p.m. I didn't want to go to bed, though the snow outside was like a quilt. I decided to arrange the nativity. Donkey, sheep, camels, wise men, shepherds, star, Joseph. The crib was there, but it was empty. There was no Christ child. And there was no Mary. Had I dropped them in the dark room? I hadn't heard anything fall, and these wooden figures were six inches tall. Joseph was wearing a woolen tunic, but his wooden legs had painted putties. I looked up what that is. That's when they have, like, the, the bandages, like the old oh, tiny yeah, bandages, yeah. like, on their legs. Mm -hmm. So, I pulled off the tunic. Underneath, wooden Joseph wore a painted uniform. First World War. When I turned him round, I saw there was a gash in his back like a stab wound. My phone beeped. I dropped Joseph, grabbed the phone. It was a text message from Susie. Trying to call you. Leave tomorrow. I pressed call. 
Nothing. I tried to send a text. Nothing. But what did it matter? Suddenly I felt relief and calm. They had been delayed. And that was all. Tomorrow they would be here. I sat down again with the nativity. Perhaps the missing figures were inside. I put in my hand, my fingers closed around a metal object. It was a small iron key with a hoop top. Maybe it was the key to the attic door. Outside, snow had fallen, snow on snow. The sky had cleared, and the moon sped above the sea. I had gone to bed, and I was deep asleep when I heard it clearly above me. Footsteps, pacing, down the room, hesitate, turn, return. I lay in bed, eyes staring blindly at the blind ceiling. Why do we open our eyes when we can't see anything? And what was there to see? I don't believe in ghosts. I wanted to put on the light, but what if the light didn't come on? Why would it be worse to be in darkness I had not chosen than darkness I was choosing? But it would be worse. I sat up in bed and pulled back the curtain a little. The moon had been so bright tonight, surely there would be light. There was light. Outside the house, hand in hand, stood the still and silent figures of a mother and child. I did not sleep again till daylight, and when I slept and woke again, it was almost midday and already the light was lowering. Hurrying to get coffee, I saw that the dress was gone. I had left it dripping over the sink, and it was gone. I set off for the station. There was an air frost that had coated the trees in glittering white. It was beautiful and deathly, the world held in ice. On the road, there were no car tracks, no noise but the roar and drop of the sea. I moved slowly and saw no one. In the white, unmoving landscape, I wondered if there was anyone left alive. At the station, I waited. I waited some time past the time when the, until the train whistled on the track. The train stopped. The guard got down and saw me. He shook his head. There's no one, he said. No one at all. I thought I would cry. I took out my mute phone. I flashed up the message, trying to call you, leave tomorrow. The guard looked at it. Happens it's you who should be leaving, he said. There's no more trains past Carlisle now till the 27th. Tomorrow was the last, and that's been cancelled. Weather. I wrote down a number and gave it to the guard. Will you phone my friends and tell them I'm on my way home? On the slow journey back to High Fallen House, I filled my mind with my departure. It would be slow and dangerous to travel at night, but I could not consider another night alone. Or not alone. All I had to do was manage 40 miles to Inchbarn. There was a pub and a guest house and remote but normal life. The text message kept playing in my head. Had it really meant that I should leave? And why? Because Susie and Stephen couldn't come? Weather? Illness? It's all a guessing game. The fact is, I have to go. The house seemed subdued when I returned. I had left the lights on, and I went straight upstairs to pack my bag. At once, I saw that the light to the attic was on. I paused, breathed. Of course it's on. I never switched it off. That proves it's a wiring fault. I must tell the housekeeper. My bag packed, I threw the food into a box and put everything back in the car. I had whiskey in the front, a blanket I stole from the bed, and I made a hot water bottle just in case. It was only five o'clock. At worst, I'd be in Inch Barn by 9 p.m. I got in the car and turned the key. The radio came on for a second, died, and as the ignition clicked, it clicked. I knew that the battery was flat. Two hours ago at the station, the car had started first time, even if I had left the lights on, but I hadn't left the lights on. A cold panic hit me. I took a swig of the whiskey. I couldn't sleep in the car all night. I would die. I don't want to die. Back in the house, I wondered what I was going to do all night. I must not fall asleep. I had noticed some old books and volumes when I had explored downstairs yesterday, assorted dusty adventure stories and tales of empire. As I sorted through them, I came across a faded velvet photograph album. In the cold, deserted sitting room, I began to discover the past. High Fallen House, 1910. 
The women in long skirts with miraculous waists, the men in shooting tweeds, the stable boys in waistcoats, the gardening boys wearing flat caps, the maids in starched aprons, and here they are in their Sunday best, a wedding photograph. Joseph and Mary Locke, 1912. He was a gardener, she was the maid. In the back of the album, loose and unsorted, were further photographs and newspaper cuttings. 1914, the men in uniform. There was Joseph. I took the album back into the kitchen and put it next to my wooden soldier. I had on my coat and scarf. I propped myself up in two chairs by the wood-fired range and dozed and waited and waited and dozed. It was perhaps two o'clock when I heard a child crying. Not a child who has scraped his knee or lost a toy, but an abandoned child. A child whose own voice is his last hold on life. A child who cries and knows that no one will come. The sound was not above me. It was above the above me. I knew where it was coming from. I put my hands over my ears and my head between my knees. I could not shut out the sound. A locked up child, a hungry child, a child who was cold and wet and frightened. Twice I got up and went to the door. Twice I sat down again. The crying stopped. Silence. A dreadful silence. I raised my head. Footsteps were coming. Down the stairs. Not one foot in front of the other, but one foot dragging slightly, then the other joining it, steadying, stepping again. At the bottom of the stairs, the footsteps paused. Then they did what I knew they would do with all the terror in my body. The footsteps came toward the kitchen door. Whatever was out there was standing 12 feet away on the other side of the door. I stood behind the table and picked up a knife. The door swung open with violent force that rammed the brass doorknob into the plaster of the wall. Wind and snow blew in the kitchen, whirling up the photographs and the cuttings on the table. I saw that the front door itself was wide open, the entrance hall like a wind tunnel. Holding the knife, I went forward into hall to the, sh- the door. The pendant metal lantern that hung from the ceiling was swinging wildly on its long chain. A sudden gust lurched it forward like a child's swing pushed too high. It fell back at force against the large semicircular fanlight over the front door. The fanlight shattered and fell round my shoulders in shards of sharp rain. The house lights were out. No wind now. No cries. Silence again. Glass hit in the snow-lit law- hall. I walked out of the front door and into the night. At the drive, I turned left and I saw them. The mother and child. The child was wearing the woolen dress. She had no shoes. She held up her arms piteously to her mother, who stood like stone. I ran forward. I grabbed the child in my arms. There was no child. I had fallen face down in the snow. Help me. That's not my voice. I'm on my feet again. The mother is ahead of me. I follow her. She's going towards the walled garden. She seems to pass through the door, leaving me on the other side. I tried the rusty hoop handle. It broke off, taking a piece of the door with it. I kicked the door open. It fell off its hinges. The ruined and abandoned garden lay before me. A walled garden of one acre used to feed 20 people, but that was a long time ago. There were footprints in the snow. I followed them. They led me to the Bothy, which is a historic gardener's house on a manor mm. estate. I also googled that. <laughs> it's roof patched with corrugated iron. There was no door, but the inside seemed dry and sound. There was a tear-off calendar still on the wall. 22nd December, 1916. Hmm. I put my hand in my pocket and I realized that the key from the nativity was there. At the same time, I heard a chair scrape on the floor in the room beyond. I had no fear anymore. As the body first shivers and then numbs with cold, my feelings were frozen. I was moving through shadows as one who dreams. In the room beyond, there was a low fire lit in the tiny tin fireplace. On either side of the fire sat the mother and child. The child was absorbed playing with a marble. Her bare feet were blue, but she did not seem to feel the cold any more than I did. Are we dead, then? The woman with the shawl over her head looked at me with deep, expressionless eyes. I recognized her. 
It was Mary Locke. She nodded at me, or not at me, at some other me in some other time I do not know. Her gaze went to a tall cupboard. I knew that my key fitted this cupboard and I must open it. I did so. A dusty uniform fell out, crumpling like a puppet. The uniform was not quite empty of its occupant. The back of the faded wool jacket had a long slash where the lungs would have been. I looked at the knife in my hands. Open the door! Are you in there? Open the door! I woke to blinding light. Where am I? Something's rocking. It's the car. I'm in my car. A heavy glove was brushing off the snow. I sat up, found my keys, pressed the unlock button. It was morning. Outside was the guard from the train and a woman who announced herself as Mrs. Wormwood. Fine mess you've made here, she said. We went into the kitchen. I was shivering so much that Mrs. Wormwood relented and began to make coffee. Alfie fetched me after he spoke to your friends. There's a body, I said, in the walled garden. Is that where it is, said Mrs. Wormwood. At Christmas 1914, Joseph Locke had gone to war. Before he left for Flanders, he had made a nativity scene for his little girl. When he came back in 1916, he had been gassed. They heard him climbing the stairs, gasping for breath through his froth-corrupted lungs. His mind had gone, they said. At night in the attic where he slept with his wife and child, he leaned vacantly against the wall, rolling the child's marbles up and down, down and up, pacing, pacing, pacing. One night, just before Christmas, he strangled his wife and daughter. He left them for dead in the bed and went out. But his wife was not dead. She followed him. In the morning, they found her sitting by the nativity, her dress dark with blood, his finger marks livid at her throat. She was singing a lullaby and pushing the point of the knife into the back of the wooden figure. Joseph was never found. "'Are you going to call the police?' I said. "'What for?' said Mrs. Wormwood. "'Let the dead bury the dead.' Alfie the guard went out to see my car. It started first time, the exhaust blew in the white air. I left them cleaning up and was about to set off when I remembered I had left my radio in the kitchen.' I went back inside. The kitchen was empty. I could hear the two of them up in the attic. I picked up the radio. The nativity was on the table as I had left it. But it wasn't as I had left it. Joseph was there, and the animals, and the shepherds, and the worn-out star. And in the center was the crib. Next to the crib were the wooden figures of a mother and child. Dun-dun-dun! Wow! that's, That's Dark Christmas by Jeanette Winterson. I was thinking, like, as you were reading this story... There's that song that's like, tell each other ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. And I'm like, yeah. why do we not tell each other more ghost stories at Christmas anymore? I know. We yeah. should bring that back. Bring that back. Chris- Halloween's not the only spooky time. Summer can be spooky. Christmas can be spooky. All year can be spooky yeah. if you try hard enough. Yeah. What I liked about that story is, particularly right now when I'm reading it, I did not turn on the light in the room I'm in. Yep. And as I was reading it, I was like... Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I should have turned the light on. It's progressively darker. Sunsets yeah, was, in about 15 minutes here. Yeah, and I was like, oh, it's going to be dark. And I have a spooky feeling because I'm in the house alone. So I'm like, oh, I don't. Just like our narrator. Uh, so I did yeah. not like no signal, can't get in touch with friends thing. Mm-mm. I don't like that the first interpretation of the friends text was, oh, we're leaving tomorrow. I've been trying to call you. Yeah, like, not like. Call, trying to you call need you, to leave. leave tomorrow, not you need to leave tomorrow, Yeah, trying to call you. Yeah. You need to GTFO. I was thinking about the video game Until Dawn, because mm-hmm. that's set in the winter, and you have to go pick up your friends from somewhere, and it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, and there's like no cell service and stuff like that, and I'm just like, mm, no, mm-hmm. that's okay, no thank you. Well, we've that done it good. again. It's, it's another mini-sode maxi-sode. Maxi-sode. So, what spooky holiday stories do you like, do you want to hear? Email speedbar at gmail.com. 
Have you ever stayed at a house where you don't know the owner and you're just fine with that and then you accidentally uncover an old murder? Does your you family tell ghost stories at Christmas? If so, tell us one of those ghost stories. Yeah. Has anything spooky happened to you around the holidays? Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. Any holiday, really. Any holiday, yeah. Yeah. Tell us about spooky shit. Like, you want to tell us a spooky Yom Kippur story? I'm here for it. <laughs> Whatever you got, send it our way. Spoopower@gmail.com. Find us on Twitter or Instagram at Spoopower. So, yeah, we'll be back at it in, you know, another week or two, however we do that math. <laughs> And we'll do the actual topic we had picked for today. So Hell yeah. We'll continue holiday spookiness. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, happy holidays. Stay safe and warm. Mm-hmm. Watch out for the darkness. Don't let any monsters eat you. Watch out for cats that <laughs> eat you. <laughs> yes. Make, Watch out for cats Make sure the children in your them. life get cl- new clothes. <laughs> yeah, and listen and obey. And listen and are not... <laughs> Gonna be in trouble with any scary Christmas demons. Yeah, all the Christmas demons say listen to your parents, so (laughs) draw your own conclusions. So yeah, have a good one. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We appreciate you. I'm gonna turn the light on. This is a bad choice.